1: Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Alex Varallo, and we are going to have a lot to talk about tonight following a blowout loss at the hands of the New England Patriots, one that was expected. Um, actually, was closer than I, thought, than I thought it would be. Jets got things under control a little bit, well, defensively, after a shaky start to uh to you know make the box score look a lot better. It's one of those games where it wasn't as close. You know, the box score says one thing, but if you watch the game it felt like 50 to nothing. But uh Alex, how are you doing today, Alex?
2: Oh, hanging in, hanging by a thread like most of us out here. Um rough start to the season. But uh you know, one positive thing that we could say that I just had uh just a few minutes ago. Uh, Jeff can't lose this week, so take we'll take it as they come.
1: Yeah, and I actually I started I started I'm I'm gonna this will only take a second. And for for people as old as I am, I'm like I'm 40 something, 43, 44 somewhere in there. And uh, there was a movie many years ago, uh, a, a comedy with Goldie Hawn called Wildcats, where she took over like this high school football team or whatever. And every year when the Jets are terrible, which, as you know, as I said to Alex, I started saying this to him before we came on live, it's just, most years the Jets are terrible. And I always think of that movie around the bye week because there was this one line that you may not find funny, but uh, whatever. It stuck with me. I thought it was a good one. When they're, when they're thinking about whether or not they should hire Goldie Hawn, she basically says, you know, things can't get any worse because you guys won one game last year. And that was only because the other team's bus broke down on the way to the game. And the guy that's, uh, the guy who she's trying to convince the hire, he just looks at him and goes, that was one hell of a victory party. And that's kind of, that's kind of how the bye week feels with the Jets. Like years like this, like this, this is going to be the most, the most celebrated week of the year, you know, like, Oh Jesus, we didn't, we didn't get stomped. You know, we, there's not a bunch of stuff to bitch about. There weren't, you know, uh, MetLife fans at MetLife didn't get outnumbered by the opposition. The defense didn't give up a million points. Adam Gase's offense didn't, uh, didn't lay an egg. And let's let's kick it off with that, Alex. And actually first let's let's kick it off with thanking our sponsor. Uh best sponsor in the business, Miles Social. M I L E Social. Go ahead and visit milesocial.com, M-I-L-E-Social.com, and find out how they can help you win your business by managing your websites and social media. Look, you got a business, you got social media to run, that takes up a lot of your time. Miles specializes in that. Optimize the way you run your programs. Get more customers through the door. Give them a call. Check them out. M I L E Social. MileSocial dot com. Alex, the Jets. Okay, it, it, where to begin with the disaster that it's the New York Jets? First and foremost, something. That, this is stating the obvious, but I'm going to go a little deeper. Something is terribly, terribly wrong with this offense. And. The the most concerning thing to me, Alex, is that this offensive line, uh, last year, I took took a lot of flack from people last year when I said this offensive line, the pass blocking on the O-line was going to be okay. Didn't say they were going to be great. I said they'd be okay. And they were okay. Some people don't see it that way. Some people kind of had the script written before the season started and they weren't going to deviate from that no matter what happened, no matter how they played every week, they said they were terrible. That wasn't the case. They were they were below average to average, which you can live with, especially when your quarterback can move a little bit. They go out the, the two weakest links on that line were Spencer Long and Spencer Carpenter. You get rid of those guys, you bring in Calicio Semele who listen, I get that he's coming off an injury, but he was an all pro player. You look at him and you think at the very worst he should be a little bit better than James Carpenter at worst. That that should be his floor, for a former All Pro. He, he's not thirty six years old. He hasn't been around that long. He's only two or three years removed from being an All Pro. So okay, he missed a few game five games last year with an injury. He comes back. You figure worst case scenario, he's a little bit better than 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 James Carpenter. It's an upgrade. My it, the ceiling is maybe regains his form. Again, wasn't that long ago. Maybe he's an All Pro. But let's, let's, let's go with the worst-case scenario. He should be a little bit better than James Carpenter. And then you have, obviously, throughout the offseason, you have Jonathan Harrison, who I went into the offseason saying, no way he starts, no way he starts, no way he starts. But then as the season got closer, and I start, you know, I went back and watched some of his film with Indy, and I watched some of his film from last year with the Jets before the Ryan Khalil signing, I kind of said, you know what? He's not that bad. He's, he's, the, the offense was just fine with him last year. I'm not saying he's the reason they were fine, just saying he, he wasn't the liability that myself and many others were, were painting him to be. And then you bring in Ryan Khalil, and they go, oh, well, this guy should be even better. There's the concern that he's older, but again, another former All-Pro, worst-case scenario, he should be as good or better than Jonathan Harrison and Spencer Long, what they, what they offered. So you have the same left tackle, presumably upgraded left guard, presumably upgraded center, same right guard, same right tackle. They are a disaster. They're not like, oh, they're not much better than last year. No. They are a lot worse than last year. And it's not, I mean, th- what we're getting from the O-line this year is what people told me we were going to get last year. This is this this was supposed to be what last year's O-line, last year's O-line wasn't that terrible. Ranked 14th in the NFL by PFF in terms of pass block efficiency. This year right now, They're 24th. They've dropped eight, nine slots. Granted, three games, small sample size, I get it. And there are other factors. Teams can load the box because they're not respecting the quarterback. But Alex, Alex, when was the last time you saw teams get this much pressure on a quarterback, rushing three guys, rushing four guys, they have – these Jets O-linemen, Rich – I mean, I said it during the game, and then I saw Rich Cimini tweeted out one of the plays. They're like spinning tops. They're like revolving doors. I hate using that because people always say that, but they say it all – but like in this case, it's accurate. These guys are getting their heads kicked in, and teams are making it look easy. What What the hell do you make of this, Alex? I mean, this has to be Adam Gase's number one priority. This has to be Adam Gase's number one priority. And and they played no snaps together in the preseason. I get it. Cleo might be not, might not be in playing shape. I get it. But if this isn't fixed, if they are not at least playing at last year's level by the time the bye is over, this season is done. And Adam Gase may be on his way out. Alex, your thoughts on the O-line. And, and is this Frank Pollock? Is this the scheme? With, what's your theory as to why they've gone from being a middle-of-the-pack O-line to an absolute disaster?
2: Um, Well, just to focus in on the offensive line, uh, I have to say I think it's a numerous amount of things that are going on here. Uh, I believe that we are seeing uh, several players, including Brian Winters, and he's the youngest out of the four that I'm going to mention. We'll basically go from the right guard to the left tackle. Beecham is getting old and doesn't, doesn't seem like he's got the physical play. Uh, that is needed with edge defenders, especially if you're going to be on the blind side and the left tackle. You're pretty much going up against the best edge rusher uh, hypothetically that the team's going to have on their roster. Uh, I understand he's gotten by with his uh, finesse play style. It, it, it's not working. Coleccio um, Assembly may have been a Pro Bowl caliber player at one point. Uh, we've yet to see that in three weeks. Same thing goes with Ryan Khalil. Um, he's showing his age. Uh, what what really gets me is the communication. Uh, I, I don't know if these guys you know have a hard time counting, but when you're you're looking at the tackle box and you see that you're outmanned somebody's got to got to make a, a call here or an adjustment or you know like we said last week, there has to be a series of plays that that the quarterback and the team has to audible to when when the numbers game doesn't match up. Uh, It took Jeremy Bates about 12 to 13 weeks to figure out that uh, there was no other good tight end that could block besides Chris Herndon. So he started to bring in extra linemen to, uh, as a tackle eligible, to to run the ball. He even put Dakota Dozier as a fullback to to pound the rock in short yard situations. Uh, We're not using the personnel that we have in house properly. Um, our offensive line is getting old and slow. Um, these guys are not playing through the whistle. If you go back and you look at that game, there are several plays, screen plays, even, even some runs that are going on where – I saw this with Winters at least twice. He blocks somebody, they get by him, and he just kind of stands around and looks for where the, the, the running back is or where the ball carrier is. You know, it's simple fundamentals. You play to the whistle. That's what I was told when we played PBs, you know, up at high school and everything like that. You play to the whistle. If the whistle hasn't been blown, the play is still alive, and if your job's an offensive lineman, you should be burying people on the field. And the fact that our offensive linemen are looking around, wondering what's going on, is a major issue at this point in time. And the play calling has not been great, but If the guys up front can't even give our quarterback, regardless if it's first, second, or third string, more than three seconds to go through his, you know, progressions and his reads, Sam Darnold's also going to struggle with this offensive line as well. So if there are people that are not healthy, if Brian Winters is working through a Maggie injury, but he's tough enough to make it on Sunday, I don't care. Put in Tom Compton. If Coletio Assembly is still hurting from that tech strain that he had, you know, near the end of August, then put in Alex Lewis. If Ryan Khalil is not doing his job communicating and calling out the mic and, and doing, you know, what what a center is supposed to do, be the leader of the offensive line, then bring in Jonathan Harrison. Let's just remember that, the reason why we got rid of Spencer Long is because the guy busted up his finger and he couldn't shotgun snap. Now, he wasn't great, but we ridiculed him for not being able to snap the football accurately. How does Ryan Khalil get get the pass in this situation here? These guys couldn't punch through a wet paper bag if you paid them money, and they do get paid money to do this job. So it's absolutely atrocious to see what has happened within the last two weeks. You know, and somebody had said this to me, almost a blessing that Sam Darnold hasn't been in these last two weeks because he might be dealing with a you know a, a more severe injury at this point in time. Because somebody's going to get hurt if this line continues to play at the level that they are. So if you have to switch up the lineup. If you have to bring in an extra tackle or an offensive lineman, because I'll tell you this, Ryan Griffin's not getting the job done. Daniel Brown is not getting the job done. I saw number 85, Trayvon Wesco get a handful of snaps. You can't convince me that Daniel Brown has better blocking ability than Trayvon Wesco at this point. Now, what do I know? Nothing. I'm a fan like most people, but from what I've seen, And what I saw Wesco doing in the preseason against other opponents, he was doing exactly what I saw him do in college, putting bodies on the ground, running through people, putting his helmet right in between people's chests and driving through them. And he's young and he's hungry, and he deserves to get more playing time, and he should be leading the charge for Le'Veon Bell as a fullback in those short-yarded situations. But we haven't seen that with this offensive guru. And I'm sure we're going to get to that, you know, at some point in the show tonight. But at this point in time, if you have to make an adjustment, I want to see healthier guys. I want to see people that are willing to do the job that, that they are paid to do. And right now, this offensive line is absolutely atrocious. And something needs to change, or these guys need to take these next two weeks to figure out a way to right the wrongs. Because Sam will be back at some point, and they cannot continue to play at this level with 14 in the backfield.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Alex. um, The the guru, Adam Gase. And now, I wanted to start off talking about the offensive line to acknowledge that, yes, this life for Adam Gase right now, putting together an offense is difficult, but there seems to be this, these responses. If you're, if you're, you know, we're on Twitter. We're seeing what the fans are saying, what the, the, the local beat writers are saying, what the national beat writers are saying. And I keep getting these responses when I criticize Adam Gase of how can you expect them to win a game when he's playing with the, the third quarterback and no, no wide receiver two and no tight end one. And I, I'm not saying anything about winning a game. People, everyone wants to jump right to sort of, you know, the most real unrealistic thing in order to, to make it as if make it out that, that you're wrong and what you're saying. I'm saying, can the offensive genius draw up a play that gets a first down? That's it. That's all. That, that's it. I'm not. I, I said they were going to lose this game by 40 points, 50 points, whatever. I expected a loss. What I didn't expect was for the offensive genius. And listen, I, I get it. He's on his third quarterback. But really, that that's not an excuse to consistently throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Or I I saw a play, matter of fact, and I'm I'm sure it was Damian Woody taking a shot at the Jets it, it it, you know, it made hundred percent sense. It was basically I think it was from the Chiefs game. I'm not even sure. I just you know, it, it was a, you know, it was on a smaller screen. But it was basically a a, a play drawn up where they faked the screen to the right, the lineman pulled, the defense went that way, and then bang, they hit the tight end over the middle for a gain over the middle. And Damian Woody was just kinda like, Oh, so this is what creativity looks like. And I'm thinking how many screen passes have they thrown to Le'Veon Bell, and not one time have we seen something like that? That's all I'm saying. I'm not. Don't don't give me this. How can you expect him to win games? I'm I'm a couple first downs, you know. That's all. I'm not saying you got to be. Give a chance to breathe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A little bit of creativity, a, a rollout maybe. I mean, listen. If your if your offense is this inept, this pathetic, and your quarterback's only getting a chance that you know, quarterback's only getting two and a half three. And listen, the standard, Alex. It you know, it's funny. I was somebody was hilarious last year again. It was the discussion about last year's O line, and I said on Twitter, I said, how much time do you fans expect a quarterback to get to throw a pass? Some guy says to me, seven seconds. Huh. The standard is two and a half. If you get to – watch the great quarterbacks. And this is why I wasn't crazy – this is why I didn't lose my mind when the Jets didn't draft an edge rusher. And I've said this before on the show. First of all, Tom Brady's going to play another ten years because he's a bastard. You still have to plan to be able to beat Tom Brady. He's he's going to be around for a few more years. He makes edge rushers invisible because the ball is out in 1.2 seconds. Consistent – out. Snap out snap out that's how quick the ball comes out okay if you if you get two and a half seconds in the NFL that's that's how long you're expected to get to be able to make a throw so on occasion not nearly enough but on occasion the Jets quarterback is getting two and a half three seconds if that's just keep drawing up deep balls and and if you get sacked and then sacked again and sacked again and sacked again when you get that shot at a deep ball and you connect Listen to this, Alex. You know what you might do? You might score a touchdown on offense. I know it's not a damn video game. I know it's not fantasy football. We just, you know, back up and and heave the ball up and just chuck it deep down the field all day. I get that. But you have a guy in Robbie Anderson who probably gives you the best chance to score. and, and, And nothing. Nothing. And we're just watching this offense time and again fail to get a first down. Throw Throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Not just short of the sticks, which they do a hell of a lot of that, too. Not just short of the sticks, though. Third and nine, swing pass, uh, Le'Veon. We need nine. We're going to get this completion to you about six yards behind the line of scrimmage. So if you can just go and, uh, you know, uh, duck and weave through these five defenders and, and get a 16, 17 yards, that'd be fantastic. This is the offensive genius. This team had 105 yards of offense this week. If I'm not mistaken, I read that that was the third lowest output in franchise history. You're gonna tell me other Jets coaches haven't been saddled with worse with worse situations on offense than this? Brooks Bollinger and this guy hired to be the the guru is is is, is coming away with 100 yards of offense in 2019 in an NFL football game. So that's ridiculous. However, Alex, in the name of fairness, how long where where do you stand with Adam Gase right now? What are your thoughts on Gase? Is it time are you at the point where you're going to panic? If not, why? And if not, when is the time at what point will you go, we got a problem here? If you're not there already.
2: Well, Uh, I made a tweet, uh, I think it was last week, and I said that around October 27th, I think I mentioned this on the show last week too, that I I think everything's going to be able to change for this team and this organization. That the schedule gets a little bit easier, we get opponents that are a little bit more, I guess, to our level. But after seeing what Gardner Minshew has done the last couple weeks, I'm not Mm -hmm. confident that it starts. On October 27th, we might have to possibly wait till the Miami, November 3rd, to start seeing some Ws in 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 the winter in the win column. So, if we fall to 0 and 5, 0 and 6, and we continue to see what we've seen the last three weeks with Sam Darnold at quarterback, then yeah, it's it, it's near panic mode at that point. Um, yeah, It's funny, I, I was unaware that we only had 100 yards of total offense, and it, and it's kind of crazy because we have a player who's probably getting his numbers tarnished right now, and, and when that happens, I'm sure the guys on the beat will be sure to remind Le'Veon Bell of this, but this was a guy that before he started with the Jets was averaging 149 yards, total yards from scrimmage. So, at, theoretically, at bat, with, with Le'Veon Bell, we could be putting up 130 yards per game just on his, his ability alone. The fact that we can't utilize a player with his skill set, and we haven't had an offensive talent on this team from the running back position for a very long time, and the fact that we can't figure out a way to get him going is very, very confusing. Now, yes, it will also lead to the ability of the offensive line um, what kind of scheme that they're running. Uh, I guess we could start looking at Frank Pollock because he was very highly spoken of with his ability of what he was able to do or how his scheme was at getting players to uh, become better at what they do. I even heard interviews of the players saying how he had them doing certain drills and, and doing certain techniques that they had done before, they had learned before, but they could see how that's going to make them better players. clearly we haven't seen that come out in the field yet. So it definitely concerns me. Um, If we do look at what we have outside of the running back position, our skill position players are minuscule. Uh, Robbie Anderson um, clearly is getting blanketed and not finding ways to get open. We're not even trying to script plays to him. We tried to run a couple, uh, a very laggard drag route to him. He got, Completely upended. Uh, they tried to get him involved in a screenplay just to get the ball into his hands. Uh, he couldn't even make it past the line of scrimmage. Uh, they tried to get the ball to the playmakers on this field, but it's too much of, you know, like you said, sideline to sideline, not enough going down the field, you know, air quoting that attacking offense that we had heard that was being built throughout training camp, haven't seen any of that attacking-style offense thus far. And maybe it does have a lot to do with Sam not being in the mix, but at some point, you have to open up the playbook and you have to take your shots. Stuff your ego, who cares about interceptions and turnovers. I'd much rather see us trying to throw the ball downfield and make the defense have to adjust to some sort of passing attack Rather than putting seven, eight guys in the box and saying, you know, pinning your ears back, we're going to come get you. So something that has to change. Um, it, I thought with the way that the injuries were going um, and, and the personnel that we have in the house that we, we'd see a little bit more of Ty Montgomery. I don't understand it. The guy it, is, a, is a complete tool threat. We've talked about this, and it just seems like empty words at this point. I don't understand how Braxton Berrios was getting more snaps as a wide receiver. Even Josh Bellamy, they had limited snaps in the offense last week. The Jets were running three wide receivers last week, and it was Anderson, Crowder, and Berrios. And I, am, thus far, I'm not impressed with Berrios, to be quite honest with you. I don't know what he's done or what he's shown or what he's done in the past. Not have a, a young, hungry player like Greg Dortch in the mix. I
0: guess that's well, that's a different
1: conversation. But go ahead. Greg. Yeah, I, no, no, I I gotta say Barrios. I thought, uh, you know, on the one reception where he made a couple guys miss, he, he did look like he had some impressive quickness. Like I I did see him. I'm like, all right, if, if this guy can make some plays with the ball in his hand, let's let's get him involved in the offense. But I I think I think the Ty Montgomery as a wide receiver thing is something we just need to stop talking about. The Jets don't view him that way. They have not used him that way. They in dire, in dire need of a receiver, and he didn't get reps at receiver. We may as well be talking about Marcus May playing wide receiver. He, I know they got him listed as a receiver on the on the official site. Doesn't matter. They don't view him as a receiver. They're not using him as a receiver. Uh, it, it, being as shorthanded as they are, it's shocking. I said during the preseason, um, somebody please tell me what Josh Bellamy has done to make himself worth over 2 million dollars a year and to make the roster. Um I he's a 30-year-old guy who's supposedly special teams god. But um th- that's an awful lot of money for a guy who can't play offense. Uh play he, what he have one catch so we The receiver position is a disaster right now. Just well I I mean again, it all starts up front. The blocking's not there. The creativity on offense from the from the offensive coaching staff is not there. Um, one thing we'll mention and touch on real quick. I don't want to get too far off, off course here, but uh, Vincent Smith, I'm sure you saw this, Alex. I mm-hmm. am not going to sit here and pretend I have ever seen Vincent Smith play before this week. But a former Houston Texans receiver who the Jets signed, a limestone college product, the only player ever in the history of the NFL to come out of limestone college. Vincent Smith, six foot three, ran a forty in the four threes, had one start a couple of years or had one start with the uh with the Texans, had a thirty five yard touchdown catch. I mean, listen, six foot three, you're running the four threes, you can imagine, if nothing else, the Jets like the idea of saying, let's just line this guy up opposite Robbie Anderson and let's let's try to get run some guys downfield and take the heat off and you know, tr- maybe get defenses to back up a little bit. And that, Alex, is where I'm I'm gonna touch on the gaze thing here. As frustrated as I am by him right now, and believe me i am i'm i i kind of you have to be fair, and again i don't I don't think it's unfair to say get us a damn first down, okay, but you can't kill the guy for not producing with what he's had now he should be doing better than what he's done in my opinion, but he's still there's so much lacking. Some of it is his own – I mean, look, how do you not start Jonathan Harrison? After, when you brought him in last week for Ryan Khalil, the offensive line looked significantly better. He knew the calls. He'd worked with the team all offseason. He, sh- he probably should have started week one, in all honesty. Let Khalil get in the football shape. This is going to be one of those things where Ryan Khalil is going to play terrible for a few weeks, and then later in the season they're going to be like, yeah, Ryan probably wasn't ready. We probably shouldn't have played him. Well, you probably should have, you know, too little too late. He shouldn't have been playing. But th- th- that, was, that was one of my biggest issues with Gase was that he said after the last loss that they we're going to go back and watch when you know, we're going to make some changes. Which to me meant we should have seen, at the very least, we should have seen Khalil replaced this week. We didn't see that. So Gase isn't doing himself any favors. He said it again this week and we'll see what happens. There should be some changes. Whether or not there are, you know, we'll have to wait till game time. But the thing is, the offensive line is terrible. Has been terrible, and there there are a lot of parts to that. There is the no reps together in preseason. There is the Khalil just got off the couch, and hadn't played any reps himself in the preseason. There is the fact that, it you know it, it's I'm sure there's plenty of confusion up front because without Sam Darnold you they don't have a mobile quarterback whether it was Simeon or Falk. So now you have a guy who isn't mobile. And who hasn't proven he can throw. And defenses have no respect for it. So defenses are gladly saying, yeah, we'll put eight in the box. Well, now your defense, your O-line, is trying to figure out who's coming and who's not. And if you guess wrong, that's how you get free runners with three and four rushers. And guys standing up and looking around while somebody's running behind them and getting to the quarterback. So, I mean, these are all factors. These are all real things. But once Darnold is back, if Khalil isn't spun up at center and, and Harrison isn't playing... That's a problem. If Harrison is playing, and maybe 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 you sub in Compton for Winters or Adoga for Shell, something along those lines, whatever you hash out over the next two weeks, whatever O- line you go to battle with, it's got to be a little better. And if they're a little better, and if you use Sam to his strength and let him move around a little bit, defenses are going to have to back off a little bit, just a little bit. You can't rush eight if Darnold has Herndon, Robbie, Crowder. And Bell to throw to. I mean, you can, but there, then there's, there's some big play opportunity for the Jets if that happens. And then that hopefully, ideally, opens up a little more running room for Le'Veon Bell. Because now we don't have eight in the box. Guys are backing up a little. Because, oh, now it's not Luke Falken, it's not Trevor, S- it's Sam Darnold. He, he's, he's beating you with a throw here and beating you with a throw there. And you've got to back off and respect him. So let, let's see if these things happen. And if they get into that situation, and as I'm sure you saw, and I'm sure a lot of people saw today, that the schedule from this point on, after well, after the next couple of weeks, it gets pretty weak. And, of course, people say, that, you know, teams looking at the Jets are saying the same thing. I get it. But they're going to get their defensive uh, captain back in Mosley. They're going to get Quinn and Williams back. They're going to get Chris Herndon back. They're going to get Sam Darnold back. I mean, that's literally – you could make the case that they've been missing four of their best – Five or six players. Those guys come back. O line plays a little bit better. This whole thing could turn around in a hurry. And Donald said it the other day. This is about to get fun. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna reel off some wins. And they, they, they have the schedule to do it if the O line gets their act together. But again, this is on Gase, and we got to see what he does. So, so, so what I'm saying is, I'm not at a point where I'm like, you got to bail on this guy. But I am at a point where I'm saying if he gets everyone back, if after the bye he doesn't make some changes and he gets his quarterback back and he gets his tight end back and he gets his linebacker back and he gets his number six overall pick back and they're still getting their asses kicked, well, then I hope Joe Douglas has some some other friends uh, who he believes can coach a football team. And 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 Alex, I saw your tweet, and I, I 100% agree. I say all the time, young quarterbacks, you got to have some continuity. You have to, you can't have a new offense every year. But on the flip yes. side, you also can't have a terrible offensive guy for multiple years. So a good guy in
2: the wrong manner. 100% agree. So it it, it that, does that become be a tough thing if we have the right guy or the wrong guy. But right now, it does not exactly. look
1: like we have the right guy. The, 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 and that that's the thing. My point right now is, am I giving up on Adam Gase? Absolutely not. Have I seen anything that makes me believe he won't be a disaster? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But in the name of fairness, I'm going to wait and see what happens when everything is in place and he's got the quarterback and the tight end and the receiver and the running back and a better O-line. When all that's in place, if this is, you know, I'm not talking a little bit of improvement. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's great. Yeah, they're scoring 16 points a game now. You know, look look at that. You know, a touchdown and a couple of field goals. This is great. No. Like, we got to see some points. We got to see Le'Veon Bell making big plays. We got to see, you know, Robbie Anderson getting involved, Chris Herndon. If it's more of the same, I mean, it, Jesus, it can't be the same with that much added talent. But if it's not significantly better, then I think, uh, I think Adam Gase might be in trouble a lot earlier than you might expect for, uh, you know, a guy, year one offensive coach, Young quarterback and all that stuff. But looking at the other side of the ball, Alex, uh, speaking of, of underperforming and disappointing, I'm not 100% convinced. We, we know Tremaine Johnson's plight. He's a backup now. Tremaine Johnson doesn't, he played, what, four snaps the other day? I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility, Alex, and tell me if you think I'm nuts or not, that Leonard Williams may not be far behind. And he might find himself as a backup rotational player if he doesn't improve because he has not – has he hasn't made any impact. I mean, he's got a couple hurries, a couple quarterback hurries. But, you know, how many years are you going to say he's got some hurries, he's got some – get a sack at some point for the $12 million or $14 million, whatever you're making, could you get to the damn quarterback one time? And uh, for, for Leonard Williams, that has not been the case. Uh, look, let's see, just just out of sheer curiosity, per PFF last week, Leonard Williams, zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries, no quarterback pressures. Um, well, here's
2: the interesting thing, and maybe you might remember this. Do you think that it was ticky-tacky on the illegal hands-to-the-face call that he got? Because that was his best rush of the day. And I kind of felt that that was a little... You know, these guys, I mean, come on. I, I be, thought it was I, a
1: little over the top, but you still, you, you know, you, you got to be smarter than that on third and long like that.
2: I mean, that, that killed the drive right there. Um, but I did feel that that was his best rush of the day. And it wasn't even that he had hit Brady. It was that his hands were like right underneath, you know, right at the guy's chest level. And then as he was coming through him, his hand just kind of came off his, chest guard, and cross the guy's face. And you're going to call illegal hands on that. Yet the series before that, Falk stepped up in the pocket, Alvin Noy swipes his face mask, turns his head completely to the right, he gets through it, and then almost makes a completion after that. No flag. And we've already heard the story about how um, Raekwon McMillan was told by the referee, stay off of Brady. Right. So these zebras are getting a little out of hand with the play calling. I did hear a stat that the numbers with had reduced significantly from week two to week three. But I still feel that almost every time that the Jets do happen to, to do something positive, mm-hmm. we're going in the wrong direction, either the next play or that play. And, and it really, they have not been able to get anything going. We haven't had help from the referees. We, we aren't helping ourselves with not hitting our assignments. yes, injuries have plagued us in multiple positions, and that's definitely a factor that that we can't um just you know completely disregard but uh you know I agree with you i mean you have to have some you have to have a better plan going into this than the, than what they've had you know if the problem is everyone's stacking in the box, why not open up the offensive series with an empty backfield and five wide receivers? and throw the ball to Le'Veon Bell when he's lined up against a running back or a safety. Make the defense say, oh, well, this this isn't the same team that we've been watching the last three weeks. They run 12 and 21 personnel, and, you know, they try to run wham blocks with their tight ends. They can't block, and, you know, they leave their tackles uh, to take on two defenders, and we we get free blitzers coming in into the backfield. You know, you got to switch it up. Like you said, you have to come up with something different. You can't come in with the same game plan that you've had the last few weeks, because if if you think you're going to get by with with what you've been doing against the Eagles, who have a really good defensive line and really good edge defender play, at least from the defensive ends, uh, you know it, it, it's going to be another long day for the offense.
1: And is it is it my imagination, Alex? You mentioned something there that I I meant to bring up. It, I I could be wrong. I would have to. Uh... Take a look, see if, see what they have on the uh, the position charts, but I don't feel like I've seen Le'Veon Bell line up in the slot and catch a pass yet. I don't. I, I saw him do that quite a bit with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would split him out wide. They put him in the slot. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like. I feel like everything he's caught has been a screen or a swing. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm. I'm Even if you're going to run the ball, put him out. Let him motion back into
2: the backfield. Let the defense, you know, at least you'll be able to see if they're running man or zone by the way that they, they go to key up against Le'Veon Bell. If nobody's moving, then you know you're going up against zone. If, if, if a guy's mirroring him from the, from the sideline to the backfield, then you know that you're in man. And you can make an audible or an adjustment or you can stick with the play that you got. But you have to do something that, you know, with your alignment or, you know, use some sort of emotion. Like, they've been using these wham blocks where they line up the tight end on the opposite side. And if they wanted to do, you know, they'll line them up on Brandon Shale's side and then he'll come through the underneath the line of scrimmage and then try to kick out an outside linebacker defensive end on the left tackle side. They've been trying to do stuff like that to even get our our tight ends in motion so that they can develop some sort of momentum into their blocks. And, and they're still not, It's it's not, Working at this point in time, sometimes Griffin gets a good block, but most of the time he's getting beat. So you have to try different things at this point in time because what you've been putting up, you know, your scripting plays, has it, just been ineffective.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been ugly, and there's there's no getting around it. It's been um, it's been extremely frustrating, and to to see a guy like Le'Veon Bell just not get any traction, not get any. Any movement on offense is, is nuts, and the defense has been having their, you know, although I will say that the defense kind of got it together last week after, uh, after you know, getting blown off the ball early on, allowed some big plays. But one guy uh, on defense, I, they jumped out to me, um, maybe because I was kind of keeping an eye on him, because, you know, I, I liked him out of college when the Jets grabbed him as an undrafted free agent. Kyle Phillips looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's an active guy, you know, felt like he got, he had a couple of pressures. He had a couple of pressures the week before as a part-time guy. So he, he's somebody, He you know, he's one of the few bright spots to me in terms of players. He's lining up everywhere. Out. Yeah. And I've, and I've liked the, uh, you have to like the play of the, uh, the both backup inside linebackers are doing a nice job. Hewitt and Cashman, you know, hats off to them. They're, uh, they're doing a really good job, but just uh, offensively, it's been a, a complete disaster. And just beyond frustrating. And now you have a what bye. Did you think, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: What did you think about Greg Williams experimenting with Cashman at outside linebacker? Did you notice that?
1: I, I did, and I loved it. I mean, I, I think I saw him there a little bit the week before, too. Um, I, I definitely look at the game charts. I'm not sure if he spent more time out there this week. But because mm. I had that thought um, leading, leading up to the game, you know, once we knew Jordan Jenkins was out, I kind of thought to myself, do you just – Cashman outside, Hewitt outside, like somebody with a, with a little bit of speed, um, and they just, they basically, you know, everybody, a, a lot of guys got run last week. Um, you know, Luvu got some snaps, Basham got some snaps. Um, on the D-line, I thought, uh, I thought Fatakassi looked pretty good as well. Um, so, you know, not, not all was lost, but all was just lost on offense. <laughs> offense was a complete disaster. On defense, some guys did some good things. I like the linebacker play. I like some of the young D linemen. Leo is clearly in his last uh, last few games as a Jet. Well, his last 13 games as a Jet. I, you know, people are saying, are we are going to trade him? W- what are you going to get? Who's going to take on a, a salary like that um, and give up more than a seventh? You know what I mean? You may as well just hang on to him and hope, hope somebody pays, overpays in free agency because people always always overpaying free agency and hopefully get a comp pick for him. But that brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about, Alex. If this thing if they get to say 0-5, 0-4, 0-5, do you do you think they have anyone on the roster that they look at and say, you know what, this guy has trade value, we're not going anywhere. Let's let's add some picks to build. Like, do you let's say you're Joe Douglas and uh this weekend passes and some, some other team lost their deep threat, and they call you up and say, we'll give you a three for Robbie Anderson. Can you afford to do that and take it, take one of the few weapons Sam Darnold has and then stunt his growth the rest of the season? Or do you think the Jets might be looking to make some moves, and is is Robbie a guy you would move on from?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I would feel too comfortable um, just seeing what we have behind him at this point. Uh Josh Bellamy is a gay guy from from all that we know. Look at the contract. Uh, he talks very highly about him. But, you know, last week he, he, he wasn't involved at all. Um, he, he was involved very, very limited. Um, I was looking at the snap counts last night, and it was primarily just the three wide receivers I mentioned before, Anderson, Barrios, and Crowder. And Crowder was playing outside, which is very peculiar. And Barrios was playing more inside at the slot role. I would have stuck Barrios on the bench or on the outside and, <clears throat> and let him struggle and just make him, you know, more of a uh, decoy and, and kept Crowder in his natural position. That was one thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Gase, that that was not a good decision to take Crowder out of his natural position. And then I said here at the end of the game, they tried to get him involved by playing him over the middle and, um, it was a nice play-action play. If he held on to it, it, probably would have been the best offensive play that they had, but Crowder uh, got his bell rung and couldn't hold on to it. So that was a little weird for me. Um, but from what I was looking last night at the uh, staff counts for the wide receivers, give me one moment here. Okay, so there was a total of 51 offensive plays. Robbie Anderson played uh, 5,100%. Uh, Crowder was at 46 snaps, 90%. Uh, Josh Bellamy, zero. Braxton, 30 at 59%. Damaris Thomas, zero. He was hurt. Um, so, yeah, they they ran a lot of two tight end sets and, <clears throat> and uh, three wide receiver sets last week. And Josh Bellamy did not have a single snap with the offense, which is completely weird because we know a nun was gone. Marius Thomas is dealing with a hamstring injury, and Barrios has been on the team uh, three weeks right now, so I don't know how much of the offense he's familiar with. I would assume with Bellamy being with the team from the beginning of the offseason uh, training camp process, that he would have a little bit more knowledge of the offensive playbook than Barrios. but clearly Gates. Thought he saw something that he might have been able to take advantage of, and and that was definitely not the case. But I I don't think trading Robbie Anderson at this point would be a lucrative move. Um, I I know that that's always a popular take: trade him, get a get a third round pick next year, and you know replace him with uh, you know Swanson Jameson from New Mexico. Like, okay, like great take. Don't know who he is. Not probable but um, I am not. Uh, I don't think we can afford to lose any guys that have any sort of skill set offensively at this point. Um, I could see them making a move for Leonard Williams. I don't know why a team would do that, to be honest with you, because if he's playing on a franchise tag, which I think is around $14 million, and if he continues to play at the level that he is, he's not going to get that money next year. He's going to be a tier two or tier yeah, he's, he's three actually,
1: free agent. He's, he's on his 50-year option, but I, I see what you're saying.
2: I mean, why would you pay $14 million? That's what That's what good players are getting in free agency for what he does. And he's not playing as a good player right now, at least statistically. So, you know, Mo Wilkerson was a guy that was getting paid $17 million. And when the Jets got rid of him, he he's at on free agency for weeks, and then got picked up for eight million on a one-year show me contract by Green Bay, and I don't even think he's in football right now. So
1: yeah, how, how crazy is that? Perspective for about... who
2: thinks that he can get crazy value in a trade for for Leonard Williams, who is clearly not shown anything to this fan base. And why would anybody else see something that we don't? I uh, I don't. That doesn't add up for me.
1: Yeah, talk about a, a fall from grace. I mentioned that in the preseason. I mentioned that when camp opened up, <clears throat> that uh, how long ago was it no, that Mo Wilkerson guys, got that huge Anderson.
2: deal? We paid and him then, uh, good money too. Who's that? Henry Anderson. We paid him good money this past season too, and the guy's got four tackles here to date with zero sacks.
1: Yeah, he hasn't. He ha- he looked good in the opener, but since then he hasn't done a whole lot. By the way, Ty Montgomery. Apparently, I was I was wrong on him. He has he's according to PFFEA yeah, he. he Played uh, five snaps in the slot last week, and uh, well, that's it. And, uh yeah, that's about it. Five in the slot. Perfect. I thought. Uh, oh, it looks like he was split out. Yeah, slot right, slot left. Yeah, so he played five snaps. I mean, still, he's, we're still not seeing targets. He, he's not a receiver. They're not treating him as a receiver. You don't know what you what you know. <clears throat> you go out and you grab Smith, Vincent Smith off the Texans practice squad. Who knows if he'll be playing? But Demarius Thomas, I mean, that's already starting to look like a, an idiotic trade. Um, you know, it's only a sixth rounder, but you know the guy you traded for him. He had a bad hamstring when you traded for him, and he plays one play, he gets a bad, and his hamstring acts up again. And he missed a couple more weeks. Thirty-one years old, bad hamstring, and uh, can't get on the field. So just a all-around frustrating situation. But I'm, I'm curious to see if Joe Douglas goes. You know, as the, as the trade deadline approaches. If he thinks there are any players out there that that he can – anyone he has that he can unload for a pick or if there's anyone he feels he can get on the cheap to upgrade his roster. um, I I, I think I've plugged a, a trade for Jordan Lewis a million times. Go do it. Cowboys are only playing him part time. Th- I think Jordan Lewis can be a starting corner in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. Maybe I'm wrong. But Jordan Lewis, for some reason, the Cowboys just – they just – like he played like 14 snaps last week. Uh, two weeks yeah, yeah. What did they that's see in
2: Jeremy Clark that they didn't see in Jordan Lewis when they were scouting Michigan?
1: Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's another one, and that's the other, that's the other thing. I gotta, I you know, the the whole you know, of course, Mike McCagnon is long gone, and uh, I you know, one of the reasons I remain remained somewhat optimistic with McCagnon. I thought there were some guys who might – I thought Leggett might be able to play. I thought he'd be like a, a good number two tight end. He was a better blocker than I anticipated. Um, obviously gone. I thought he might, Elon McGuire would be a decent number two. He's gone. I thought uh, – what's his name? I already forgot his name. Derek Jones had a chance to be a good corner. He's gone. So basically all the guys – that because cause I'm big on like wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. So a lot of the guys that I said wait and see, we've seen and they're gone and they were bad picks. And uh, Mike McKagan's legacy with this team is basically going to be he got them a quarterback, uh, a franchise-altering defensive player, and some nice pieces. But really, you can close the book on his drafts um, for the most part. Of course, there's this year's class if, if you know, if you get three or four hits. But either way, um, really, the draft record can't really be defended. I defended it for as long as I could because I wanted to see what these guys could do. Some of them said Leggett, I think Leggett. Like it's weird. I think he's still with the Bucks. They have like four tight ends on their active roster, and he's a fifth on their practice squad. So they either really like—I don't know if that means they really like you or they don't like you. I don't know when you're a fifth tight end, but they're keeping you around. I don't know. Arians must see something in it. But anyway, um, the, the Mac. Listen, if Sam Darnold goes on to win a, a a Super Bowl, or you know, God, you know, pray to the football gods, multiple Super Bowls, then uh, Jets fans, whether they like it or not. We'll, uh, we'll owe McCagnin some thanks because that, that is the one move that could decide the fate of this franchise for years. But, yeah, close the book on the on the Mac thing. Well, 90% close it because uh, if Williams is a stud and Cashman is a stud and you get a couple guys out of this class, it, it, it pretties it up a little bit. But by and large, the batting average from Mike McCagnin, way below par, uh, not a good job by him. And just really, you know, pass on. The, the 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 back the 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 uh Ardarius Stewart and Chad Hanson was the toughest one for me because there was some that was such a deep cornerback class and uh there were some good corners on the board that they passed on and that was when they had Decker and Marshall but anyway enough yep. about that um so what are your thoughts actually I wanted to th- this is a silly thing it's silly but it's not silly <clears throat> some people are overreacting the Jamal Adams thing Alex, I saw you comment on it on Twitter. I've commented on it. Jamal Adams has bowed out. He was doing a weekly radio spot on WFAN, and now with the Jets sitting at 0-3, he has decided he doesn't want to do it anymore. I don't think it's a huge deal, but I do think it's a bad look. Like, it, it's 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 got, like, take my ball and go home written all over it. Things aren't going the way I wanted, so I'm going home. And... If you're going to be a leader and the face of the defense or the franchise or however you want to look at it, you got to you got to do the tough interviews and it's it's something you signed up for. And so I think there is some credibility to say not a great look, but it's also like not a it's not a huge deal, it's not a nothing, but it's not a it's not a big deal, but to just say, oh, who cares if he signed up for that thing and now he doesn't want to do it anymore because, you know, things aren't going easy. Like that's that's not the way it goes. Sometimes there's gonna to be tough questions and sometimes your team isn't gonna perform the way you want it to, and you can't just, you know, take your ball and go home. Um, so he's doing that. Like I said, it's not a huge deal, but there is that part of me that goes, Ah, you're calling yourself the president and you know, you wanna be this and you wanna be you wanna be the big leader and the face and you wanna be the mouth, but things get you know, things go bad and, and you want you, you don't want to talk to anybody. So it's a, it's a little bit of a maturity thing but uh at the end of the day just play some good football you know it was nice to see him make a play this week of course you know it comes in garbage time against the rookie quarterback making his NFL debut so not a huge deal but uh but listen I put money on that dude to win defensive player of the year so I need some more pick six at Jamal uh but but your thoughts Alex it's 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 getting overblown but I, I don't think it's a great look but it's not a huge deal
2: uh yes, I, I agree with you. Um this does question uh how thick is his skin. Um is you know, is this what leaders do? Uh these these are what questions that you know that are raised by these things and, and rightly so. Um I think that at this point there's been so much negativity and there's been so many mm, I'm gonna phrase this. Um there's been a certain certain style of questions that have been somewhat provoking to get an emotional reaction from this Jets organization. I think that they've done that to Greg Williams uh, because Greg Williams had an incident uh, going into the Browns game and things got testy in the room and the Jets always air their press conferences with their, with their head coach and, and their OC and their DC and the special teams and you know I think there' you know every there's a league minimum that these guys have to do with the press and stuff like that, and the Jets always air those things, but they chose not to air that Greg Williams segment uh when he went back at the the media because all that they wanted to do was talk about Bounty gate and they want to talk about O'dell's comments and I kind of feel that there's an agenda coming from the New York media that People don't even want to talk about football anymore. It's like TMZ article-style stuff. And what they're trying to do is get a raw, uncharacteristic, dramatic emotion from these players so that they have something that they can get underneath their skin with.
1: That's my perspective.
0: I
2: could be Yeah, I,
1: I don't disagree with that, but that that's just what the media is nowadays, whether it's sports yeah. or politics or whatever. It's all about and the soundbite. And the Greg yeah. Williams thing – they're not doing their job if they don't ask, only because Odell Beckham accused them of it. Like, you can't have a coach who was suspended for bounties, and you're playing a team who has a star player who said, he put a bounty on me last year. They got to ask. They got to be like, hey, great. You got this history. This guy said you did it last year. You know, and Williams, I thought, handled it pretty well. I thought it was stupid to pretend oh, Odell who. But I think even he realized that it was a He's like, oh, that was a joke. But mm-hmm. it's like an awkward joke. Nobody laughed. And you know it's going to be – whether it's a joke or not, it's going to be used as bulletin board material. So I, I don't I don't begrudge the media for bringing up what Beckham accused him of, given the history. But, um, again, it, I mean, in regards to Jamal or anybody, like you play in New York, it's, it's the media capital of the world, you're going to have people coming after you. They're going to try to get you to say something stupid. You know, there are players in the past that, uh, that you know, I, I, I've spoken to members of the media when I've been at camp, and they've said that, you know – there were certain guys on those Rex Ryan teams that the media knew, like, eh, if we worded it the right way, we can get this guy to say something stupid. You know, and they'd go to certain players and try to get those dumb quotes, and sometimes it worked. Right. Um, but right. some guys are a little more savvy than others, and it doesn't work. So, um, you know, that's just that's kind of the nature of the beast. But uh, all in all, it's, uh, it's not a big deal that Jamal did that. But it's, uh, again, not a great look, not a big deal. Um so we got a we got a little long bit as of time he left
2: continues to uh, you know find himself making turnovers and big plays. Um I don't think he's yeah, I mean, really going to going hang that, hang this over his head for too much longer if he That has got
1: to be a thing for him. He has got that, you know he's, he's got to make impact plays, you know. He, he you basically can say he's got one impact play this year. And again, garbage time against the rookie quarterback. So take, you know, some people are you know doing backflips over it, you know. <clears throat> It's, 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 Twitter is so funny. Like I, I said before the game, I tweeted out that the Jets need Leo and, and Jamal Adams to make some big plays. They had like and Jamal Adams; it, he's running all over the place. But you know, until that pick six, he, he hadn't made any real game-changing plays. We hadn't seen a forced fumble or a strip or interception, anything like that. And I said, like these guys have been quiet. They need to make big plays. And then you know, people, oh, leave Jamal alone. He's not the problem. He's awesome. Uh, like, I, I just told you, I put money on the guy to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's fantastic. But are you going to tell me he was making game-changing plays before, you know, in the first couple of weeks? He's making some tackles. You know, he, he, he had a big missed tackle against the Bills that allowed uh, Josh Allen to run for a big gain. So, you know, people kind of take, you say, oh, this guy hasn't done a whole lot up to this very moment, and he needs to do more today. And people interpret that as you saying, this guy sucks. You know, and so he kept you like tweeting me like pictures and quotes after the pick six, and I'm like, "Are we really gonna do this? Like, we we're gonna get thrilled because he picked off some guy we never heard of, uh, trailing by 84 points? This is like, this is the big victory lap that, that you, you know, you you dressed up the scoreboard a little bit before you get on the bus and go home." Um, but to each his own, and um, I think that uh, I think that covers pretty much covers the week Alex let's let's wrap up some studs and duds and uh and call this one an evening for sure
2: do <clears throat> you want to kick it off or do you
0: want me to go
1: yeah absolutely absolutely uh to me for for my money anyway all the studs were on the defensive side of the ball it was uh it was pretty ugly all around well you know the offense was was pretty damn ugly but uh i'm going to go with for, My number three, just because, again, rookie guy, stepping up, had a couple pressures, and uh, starting to put some heat on Leonard Williams. Uh, Give me Kyle Phillips for the number three. I I get he wasn't fantastic, didn't play every snap, but I felt like uh, every time I saw him, he was doing something good. So uh, he's a young kid, undrafted guy, starting to make a name for himself. And then my number two is going to be Brian Poole, led the team in tackles, and on top of that, he, of course, you know, a couple days before the game, he was questionable. He's injured in practice. There were some concerns about whether or not he'd be able to play. Uh, and then, of course, uh, number one, I'm going with Jamal Adams. Look, rookie, backup, whatever you want to call it. He still had a pick six. He got the team into the damn end zone, which uh, not a lot of guys are doing at the moment. I thought he played a good game all around. Um, I'd like to see him. You know, I, I feel like I say it all the time I'd like to see them use him to get after the quarterback a little bit more, but we just we don't see that very often. Hopefully, uh, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, that'll be a thing. So that's my three studs. And then my three duds, of course, will be on offense because that's where it got super, super, super ugly. Uh, number three is Ryan Khalil. The guy just doesn't look ready. It's uh, it, Jonathan Harrison needs to be out there if Ryan Khalil doesn't have his act together by next week. Or, but well by the following week uh number 2 Brandon Shell I felt like he was the biggest problem on the D, on the O line this week he uh he he got beat pretty consistently and it was uh it was uh, and as I haven't watched uh, I rewatched the uh I rewatched the game because I, I actually missed the first quarter quarter and a half because NFL game pass is garbage over here so I had to go back and rewatch that haven't watched the coaches film yet but I felt like as as much pressure as we saw on the broadcast I didn't think Kelvin Beachum was that bad. I thought he had a decent game. Um a lot of the pressure was up the gut and uh and on Brandon Shell's side. So I'm curious to see was it Winters, was it Khalil, was it Osemele who was getting beat the worst? But I think Beecham had himself a decent game. But uh anyway, and uh so but anyway, Shell's my number two because he was pretty bad and my number one once again, two weeks in a row, head coach Adam Gase, get it together, get a damn first down. Like I said, people that are getting pissed off and telling me that I'm an idiot because how could I possibly expect him to win when all i'm saying is is don't don't be a disaster like that's that's the, that's the bar right now. The bar is set at complete disaster. Can we come in slightly above complete disaster that's all I'm looking for right now
2: okay good good ones there too um, all justified uh, we'll start with the studs to to go with the positivity here. Um, I really like what I'm seeing out of Blake Cashman, uh, for a young guy that uh, was talked about very highly, but just kind of fell on the draft boards. Um, I really liked uh, the fact that this team trusts him in such a short amount of time. They had much of an option, but the fact that uh, he's playing over 90% of the snaps and he's kind of playing all over the field as far as an inside linebacker and, He's been tested out as the outside linebacker. So I really feel like we we found ourselves a decent one here and uh, possibly a good long-term jet for the defense. Going to have to go with Neville Hewitt as my number two. Um, He just continues to play well. Um, There's not much that really can be said. Uh, Definitely not the same guy that we saw getting beat in that uh, New Orleans game. So continues a good play. You know, he's got an opportunity here that's presented itself, and I think he's really uh, seizing it, um, you know, with every rep that he gets out there. And he's playing damn near 100% of every snap. So, uh, you know, let's hope that Neville Hewitt continues to stay healthy and continue his good play. And then, of course, Jamal Adams, um, that was was an awesome play. Unfortunately, there's only one of you on this team. Uh, But, uh, you know, hopefully with all the outside noise that's going on. Um, and I think that's the, the, the fan situation, I think, began last week um, with some rumors being made and speculation being made about his social media status uh, has to do a little bit with what happened this week. So continue to block out the noise, focus on football, help this team win games. Uh, we're with you, Jamal. We have your back no matter what and just continue to do what you're doing, and hopefully your good play rubs off on other players moving forward. Uh, to get to our duds, um, if, I, if I could, I'd pick the entire offensive line, uh, but I do agree with you. Uh, Brandon Shell really, really struggled against Kyle Van Noy. Uh, he just had nothing for him. Uh, he was getting bull rushed. Um, everything that Van Noy basically threw at Shell. Uh, pretty much worked, and he he didn't have much of an answer for him. Um, Kelvin Beachum, I did feel, did struggle against Jamie Collins, so when you do your review, uh, again, maybe just check out, you know, his matchups against Jamie Collins. It looks like he got to the quarterback early and just kind of created some fits for the rest of the day. Um, But uh, Ryan Khalil definitely has to get thrown into the mix here. You're you're the guy that we thought was going to solidify everything. And, and you have done nothing but show that you're an older vet that looks like he's lost a step or two. And if you continue this path that you're on, um, I'm, I'm going to be looking for Jonathan Harrison to, to come in and, and take back the job that, that I think he deserved to have, um, you know, right from the jump. But... Uh, to do the, and, and I'll have to agree with you here. Um, I'm going to throw Greg Williams in here as well. Um, even though I think, uh, Adam Gase's game plan last week, even with all the, the excuses being thrown out, um, third string quarterback injuries at skill position players, um, you have to figure out a way to, to draw up better offensive scheme. Um, we're not the only team that's in this situation here. Um, last week there was an abundance of backups that had to start to get thrown out there. Um, Carter Minshew looks like a pretty decent quarterback. Kyle Allen from Carolina looks pretty relevant. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's other guys out there. Daniel Jones, um, apparently is, is the new savior of, of the New York Giants. So, you know, we're not the only ones that are going, um, with lesser experienced players and, and other teams are figuring out a way to move the football. So no excuses. You've got to figure out a way to do it. And I understand um, not having your first round traffic on defensively and not having your leader on defense. But I do feel that uh, Red Williams needs to come up with a better scheme. Uh, we don't have a premier edge rusher and sending three or four-man blitzes and dropping everybody into deep coverage and just playing everything up front of you, that's not going to work. Where he sat in the pocket, very comfortable all day, and there was not a lot of pressure dialed up. you got to get a little bit more creative than that um, and put a little bit more pressure on on number 12. Um, Hopefully, the next time that we play them, which is, what, in the next six weeks, I believe, um hopefully Greg Williams can figure out a plan that is a little bit more aggressive
1: than that. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, with Brady, it's just uh no matter how you attack him, he finds a way to get you. So it's uh not an easy thing to plan for, but hopefully and that's another thing that's going to be interesting to see is what happens when when Brandon Copeland comes back from his suspension. Is he a guy who they see as part of their future?
2: Oh, that's a good conversation. Because as we mentioned,
1: as we mentioned they uh you know he's a guy who's playing sort of third fourth quarter preseason games which made you think that this guy may not be uh may not be around too long so but with the uh with the lack of production they've gotten out of that spot maybe uh maybe he sticks but you got to get jenkins back you know we hardly even mentioned him so you would, you, you know yeah. last oh, week we they, i jenkins mean they they literally that. had i mean part of it is, is the fact that opposite jordan jenkins they don't have a true starting linebacker um, it'll probably probably be a different guy every week, but they had four backup linebackers starting this week. And when you're playing Tom Brady, you got four backup linebackers, um, you're in a little bit of trouble. But the, again, the, the silver lining there is that we've seen that uh, that Hewitt and Cashman can play. So there's a hey, there's a there's a bright spot for you, Jets fans. We have some depth at inside linebacker. So there you go. Uh, now now let's just get you know let's get the other twenty five things ticked off of the checklist that needs to be straightened out in order for this team to, to turn things around. So it's the bye week. Um, I'm not even, we'll, we'll talk Alex. We may not do a show next Tuesday because there will not be a game through review. If there's no big news, if there's not a lot going on, um, you know, I, you know, we'll do we'll probably do a short show. Cause we'll, we'll want to see who's hurt. Who's not. Um, we'll have to see the It'll status of the Eagles. Deal. I was going to say, well, will do the stat- look at the status of the Eagles, see where they're at with injuries. And, uh, and do a little preview there as well. So maybe uh, maybe a short show next week. But that's it for tonight. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Alex, have a great one, and I look forward to uh, joining you next week.
2: Yes, indeed. Um, can't lose this week. So, everybody, breathe, relax, enjoy the week, enjoy your fantasy football teams. Also, side note, congrats, Arthur Millette for your first touchdown, um, for your career. with uh, the go on that muff punt. And uh, hang tight, Jets fans. We're going to get through this.
1: That's right. Hello, victory party.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!